Hey everybody, welcome to Exo Squad Goals, the Exo Squadcast podcast. I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. I'm Josh Key. And now, now you, what? You, you might be saying to yourself right now, wait a second, that's not a Chris, the other Chris, not me. But Josh is a, a good friend of that podcast. That's our podcast I'm talking about. And this is a man that has a deep, abiding love for the squad of Exo. And it is appropriate we bring him on for this episode because he is a certified by the powers that be Eagle Scout. And we are talking about an episode where we're dealing with Exo Scouts. So, Josh, uh, say hi to the people out there. Hello, America. Yeah. Eagle Scout, very excited to talk about how Boy Scouts is pretty much just Lord of the Flies, as you learned in today's episode. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of fun interpersonal relationships going on in this episode. This episode was written by the writing team of Mark Edens and Sherry Goodhearts. You know, we've encountered their stuff before. That I mean, they're, they're, they're a really solid team. They usually handle some, some of the more... Uh, not out there stories, but the kind of like more more of a journey story, let's say. So, and this story had had phenomenal structure to it. Now that I think about it, like it's really this, this like it's a, a bit absurd, but like there's a really solid like beginning, middle, and end to today's episode. No, absolutely, and like she did a ton of work on like later on on Star Trek TNG, uh, writing a lot of their more like horror oriented episodes. So she's very good with structure and pushing things in a good direction. And also she can get a little dark when she needs to, which is awesome, because that definitely comes to play in this episode. Pick it up where we left off on the on last week's episode. Rita Torres is dead. Well, not really. Um, she's been abducted by a rogue group of exoscouts. And we start with JT Marsh having a flashback about when he first met Rita Torres and shaking her hand on a job well done. I couldn't tell for a minute there. There was a lot of sad JT, but was Flashback DeLeon the only one in a different outfit? I think so, maybe. Because he was in like a red vest and usually he's in a green vest. And I think Flashback DeLeon was the only one in a different outfit, which shout out to the animators for that. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> I think in the early episodes, he kind of had like that red like slash thing on his chest. You know what I mean? And then they, I think, eventually went to the more traditional like green and yellow setup to kind of I don't know, match the toys or which way it went, but there was like a good bit of continuity with that. You know what I mean? Like they definitely made it feel like it was another time. Which is especially impressive considering that like, like you're kind of like expecting her to look super young in it because it's like a flashback and she looks exactly the same. <laughs> and her defining characteristic is her nose ring. It even gets like a little like ring, like shine Ding. noise on it. Like even when she was uh, fighting Jubail back then she looked like exactly the same so either she's been in the fleet for all the time or maybe she's just been in there for like a year and just like a huge turnover able squad lost torres baker squad lost davis grogan blake and mendel this is something i was thinking about when you guys talked about a couple episodes ago like at what point in the if you're in the exo fleet do you like get paired up with able squad and start saying like oh fuck like really like we're gonna be with able squad again like uh i better write that letter to my wife now yeah, <laughs> like, yeah have avery like, butler like, record yeah, a message like for you it's funny because they, they with the uh steph rogan episode they uh they kind of you know put it out there that there are these like kind of cursed figures in the fleet but they never made mention that able squad is definitely on that list and <laughs> they seriously are like the worst in terms of like like you said it's like oh able squad yeah go blow up like olympus mons and uh i don't know baker squad just like get fucked you know it's like <laughs> it's like really that's our that's our, that's our briefing yeah yeah just get fucked because you know <laughs> That's very unprofessional, Admiral. Yeah, like, Able Squad gets, like, personalized briefings by the Admiral of the Fleet on their, like, individual day-to-day -day missions, and the other people just get, like, it's like, all right, follow J.G. Marsh, do what he says. Like, <laughs> I don't know, get out there, fly around, shoot some missiles off, whatever, you guys are pilots. Make sure to bunch up so you die easier. <laughs> like, even in the casualty report, J.T.'s like, we lost, like, I don't know, Randy and Steve and Miller off uh, Baker, like six guys from Baker Squad. And I guess to report that we lost Rita Torres. Like, <laughs> even on the uh, the episode with Commander DeSoto, when her ship gets blown up, when uh, Barca's talking to Winfield, he's like, Yes, you know, DeSoto died and her whole crew and all the other squads. But JT Marsh helped us capture this thing. And Winfield's like, Oh, man, that's awesome. And it's like, No. Like, hundreds of people just died, and oh, fuck it, whatever, you don't care. <laughs> One thing I love in this episode is they kind of show, they have a moment where they show everyone kind of like having a little R&R &R in the volcanic death cave they're living in, and we get to see 
for the first time since like season one, Deleon just like practicing his moves. Ch check those moves, Bronski. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. His moves include like quick drawing guns. Yeah, he's just like quick drawing, shadow shooting. Fucking Kaz is juggling. Bronski's drinking. He's drinking. He has a problem. It's serious. Um, but then we get the meat of the episode. We get to them, their exoscouts. One thing you need to know about the exoscouts before we get into stuff everyone has a name that describes them perfectly. So we have Doc, who does Doc stuff. Merit badge first aid. I had one of those. <laughs> nice. I, I'm, I want to see the merit badges that match up to some of these guys because we got we got Doc, we got we got a cruiser who's Bronski's illegitimate kid for sure. <laughs> they have the same jacket. Yeah, and they they are. It's he's little Bronski. He's like a six pack away from being a full Bronski. We have pirate who is a pirate. Uh, pirate also has the coolest E frame we have seen so far, like without a doubt. It's a theme E-frame, which I love. It's right. like, yeah. he, uh, now here's my question. Was he pirate before he got the pirate E-frame or did he get the E-frame and make it a pirate E-frame? The color, the, the like the color theme is is pretty hard. I would he, Do you think he got a pirate hat and put on the E-frame? I think these are kid E-frames. So I think it's like saying like mom and dad, I want the Moana E-frame. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like where your head's at. Yeah. I want the Lilo and Stitch E-frame. Because these are like kids' toys, right? Like that, the, the, that's the, these E-frames, even though they're kids' toys, which we'll get to probably with like drills and like weird hip axes attached. Like they're... Well, again, to go back to it, because we were talking about this, to pilot them, you have to have a hole drilled in the back of your neck. And that's super fucked up when you're a kid, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and they don't... Like usually Exosquad's really clear about those things. Like it's really clear. They jump in the frame and it like happens every time. They hit that beat. And like it doesn't happen for the kids. And I wonder if that's why Torres has such a hard time like piloting the thing. True. I guess it does make sense that she'd be like, you know, I usually just think about killing and it kills, you know, so <laughs> it's killing all the time. Uh, she has a problem like Bronski. That's why they kind of get along. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, Josh, I only made it to Tenderfoot where I had a, a solid three year run. Um, <laughs> how much further after Tenderfoot were you assigned like awesome call sign nicknames? <laughs> Ryan, excellent question. And or setup. You rarely get sweet call signs, nor but then again, you rarely have to go to the land for two and a half years, which we'll talk about. Um, oh, yes. But I, I did one thing I liked about this that I thought was interesting was as a scout and a, and a scouting enthusiast, Boy Scouts were actually invented as a like kind of a semi paramilitary branch. Uh, Lord Baden-Powell, who was this British guy who invented scouting, he was served in the Boer War, which was kind of England versus their own colonists in South Africa, like the American Revolution if we had lost. He was very disappointed in how in like the general like ability of all the like first year troops. He was like, these people don't know anything about how to like survive on the land and they don't know any first aid. Like, you know, like this is everything someone should know. So he invented this program for children to be trained in like the basics of surviving on your own, I guess. And so that and so, so it's always it's kind of remained. It's like there's uniforms, there's badges. It's 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 got this paramilitary thing. But it was originally created as a training program for people to funnel into the military. And I have friends from scouts who have gone on to like serve in the military and be in special forces and stuff. I've even talked to them about like being in Afghanistan and being like stuff I learned in scouting. I'm still using in the mountains of Afghanistan. And that's that's it's, so rad. Yeah, it's interesting to think about like this idea that like I don't know. I've always liked the idea that that they. Talk some of the writers that Versus Squad talked about of like this grand tapestry of war, right? Like everyone involved in this big thing. And one of those people being this group of kids who were kind of caught up in with it. But like, I will say the thing that really like threw me off was the like two and a half years thing. You guys have complained about the like Exo Squad in jail for one year, which was preposterous in episode one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Second, uh, second season at first episode, The Gathering. Because I just looked it up because right, I, yeah, yeah, I was yeah. a little chronological thing in my head, and I was like, "Wait a second. Yeah, and like, and like, it's like these kids—they're they're kids. They've been in that two and a half years. So, like, how old were they when they like were they eight, and now they're twelve? Like, or like, like it's been two and a half years living off the land with no explanation of how that worked in terms of like food or like like anything. Like, it it was it was a little bit of a bummer. I do respect though that they don't just go feral. They go like crazy Mad Max, like trial by combat feral. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. Real quick. Like Doc, they found Maggie, right? They bind right. her up. She's there for what? Like, like two goddamn minutes, right? 
She literally right. is like, they're like, oh, this this is Cruiser, this is this rabbit, and this guy, and they're like, we don't need her. Maybe we don't need you either. Oh yeah. Well, I dare you to do something about it. Now, trial by combat. And they're like, what? And fucking they pull out hatchets and drills and go at it. That's sergeant mother to you, kid. Fuck yeah, it is. They are such scamps. They're murder scamps for real. Like... The kids have these weapons. It's really unclear, like, the level of child E-frame because, like, they've got, like, axes and drills, but, like, not real weapons. And, like, they've got, like, their killer weapon seems to be this weird grabby thing that pulls out your fusion pack or whatever. Yeah. They're, like, equipped for, like, like, there's a medical one and there's, like, a rock climbing one. Right. The pirate like they're I think they're they're designed to be like taken into like outdoor expeditions. So like they have things that can be used as like impromptu weapons and apparently have for two and a half years. Right. Like as a scout and as someone who has watched the film Red Dawn more than once. Like I like to think I can do that. Right. Right. (laughs) Well, you need to drink the blood of a Neosapien first once you kill it. So you get its spirit. But only if Patrick Swayze's there, because otherwise it's just <laughs> awkward. I only want to do anything when Patrick Swayze's there. So, <laughs> but for real, like seeing these kids and like the sort of going at each other and the scheming and stuff, I definitely had Red Dawn uh, flashbacks, and I love that movie. I, you know, I own the edition that has the kill counter for every act of violence. It's one of my favorite right. things. And I, and I and I do like because like. As someone who was a scout, we had like rank was a big deal, but so was fighting all the time. Like one of my notes said, like Lord of the Flies, like it really I like that has become that like these kids have kind of gotten hard. And like there's a moment there where like I think Pirate says the grownups lost the war with the Neos and we built smarter them for two whole years. We're better off on our own. They do hint at the like horror of like being a kid on the edge of being an adult and like war touches you like this. And it's like, Oh yeah, no, we are, this is it. Like we are on our own. And then, and what happens after that is kind of literally this. I, I will say these kids have never been forgotten at soccer practice. Cause they would be like fucking murdering people. Like, you know, mom would show up <laughs> in like the, uh, the minivan and fucking like rabbit would have his teeth in the neck of a deer. Because it's like, <laughs> if you were alive, you would have come. And it's like, dude, just fucking, it's been 15 minutes. I have orange slices. Just chill the fuck out. Right. Like, Cruiser and Pirate have gone full savage. Like, yeah, they are like, yeah. they are like, Doc and Red and Rabbit are like kind of trying to hold it together. But like, I think it's interesting that they kind of place Pirate and Cruiser in control because they're just like, more brutal. They're just yeah. like savages. So basically, the way that their relationship kind of works out is that. Pirate and Cruiser are the dicks of the uh, crew, and everyone else is kind of okay. So Pirate challenges Rita Torres to one-on-one combat, which, <laughs> guess what? He loses. Who do you think you are, our mother? That's Sergeant Mother to you, kid. She's like, look, we have an exosquad down here. Let's meet up with them. We can get you to safety. And, of course, Pirate's like, nah, fuck that. Let's keep murdering people, I guess. I don't really know what his plan is. Meanwhile, Able Squad is just like, hey, you know, we'll... Uh, We'll fly some recon and stuff in this like big storm and to find Rita, see if Rita's there and also try to find this crazy large underground facility that was talked about a couple of episodes ago. We're getting a break with this storm. The Neo sensors won't be able to pick out anything in the middle of all that dust. Now's the perfect time to make a recon pass over that suspected underground Neo complex. Frame up. All these things are happening at the same time as a giant fucking like shuttle touches down in um, Manginus City. I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce that. Oh boy. Typhonus is like, oh, here are the new troops that Phaeton sent special for us. And it's them Beastie Boys. They're here to party. And it's t- sabotage. I don't know. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. No, it, it's uh, a- I also love that Typhonus and. Uh, whatever that guy who's like the Neo Mega can't stop like low key like you at a staff meeting like sniping at each other. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they they have such a great relationship. You know, every time Typhonus is like, "This is disgusting." It's like, "Well, give them a chance, Typhonus. You haven't done the job." And it's like they're always just going at each other. It's fucking great. <laughs> Typhonus throws some incredible levels of shade at everyone in this episode. Ty- He's so catty. Says, he literally says, "Neo Sapien warriors." Freaks! Beasts! They're an affront to the genetic superiority of the Neo-Sapien race. He's literally, like, super racist being offended that these things are the same race as he. 
So or our same gene pool. So quick question for you two as someone who's catching up. Oh, uh, they're getting off the shuttle. The the Neo Mega Warriors are arriving. Are we missing any genetic categories? Are we missing any like weird hybrids? Like there I didn't see any bats. Part of me would like to think that the bats, like the atmosphere of Mars is too thin for the bats to gain traction flying, but probably they just didn't want to animate them. Uh, Science. I thought this one was just the lizards. No, they, they, in the wide shot, when he's, Tephonis is giving his intro speech to them, uh, they show some crab people. Um, scorpions. scorpions. Yeah. Withdrawn. Yeah, but like, to me, like, why do you bring crab people to a place with very little water? It just seems not a good idea. They're going to dry up. You can't drown anyone by dragging them under the water in a horrifying fashion. Yeah, they're just going to grab someone and keep jumping up and down because they're like, I don't get it. Why? Why were we not going underneath this thing? This is very unpleasant. Please let me go. Yeah, this is awkward for all of us. You're just embarrassing yourself, crab person. Typhonus gets like one of the best lines of the episode. The first generation of the uh, Beastie Boys of what we saw storm the... uh, parliament in australia so we get to meet one of the second generation and he goes up right he says rude too yeah he's like i am second dude more smart good for you this is a huge dick to him <laughs> it's so good he's, he's such an asshole i i, I just want to go back but, to it but Typhonus might be one of my favorite characters of this whole show because he's such an overt dick. And I really appreciate like Typhonus and it opens up some character like it opens up a really interesting like vein of this whole idea, which I think you guys have touched upon before. But like, you know, Phaeton made these like monsters to try to win the war. And like Typhonus says, like, I think right after that or like right after they walk away. Like they're an affront to the genetic superiority of the Neo Sapiens, right? Like it's like this idea of the master race that, that we've touched upon a bunch of times. Like they're giving that up to win, which is I don't think. I mean, because it's a children's cartoon show, drink. <laughs> it's not quite ever talked about enough, and like a, there's a very little like Neo Sapien philosophy salons but like that's a super fascinating it's super cool idea right like they're like becoming less human to try to win the war which is like what all of us do oh yeah no well that was uh one of the things that uh i think was in our eden's interview he was saying you know like one of the interesting themes of the show is sort of what the neo sapiens um how they sacrifice their humanity to try to win and you know interestingly enough it's their humanity that makes them what they are you know, because if not, right. they're just robots. If they don't have emotions, if they don't have, you know, what limited jokes they have or, you know, their ambition, their feelings, their all this stuff, then they're just robots. And, you know, but they need them to be more. It's like, do they embrace their humanity or reject it in the person of like the uh, the Beastie Boys? And in this case, every general that's seen them has been like, no, this is not us. You know, so they're kind of g- gaining an identity of what being a Neo Sapien is, which I, I like. I find that really interesting that we're in the middle of this big like war arc and we're kind of getting these like little tidbits here and there, you know, one thing that I want to like kind of shout out. Oh yeah. And this is getting a little meta perhaps, but like, I think one reason the, like the, the Neo warrior broods are so off putting is like the animation around them is just so bad. Oh yeah. (laughs) Like it is nightmarish. That's what I mean. It's like, it's like, it's like maybe I, I don't, like, I'm not going to give the show credit for breaking the fourth wall, but it is, you're, you're Ryan, you're right. It's nightmarish. It reminds me in a lot of ways there was that um, big movement in early 2000s horror to do like an a stutter effect on and people moving in horror movies that were like supernatural, where you yeah. basically cut out like every like three, third and fifth frame or something like that. And it gives us like right. a really herky jerky kind of like unnatural movement. And partly because I'm sure when you say to the animation team, Okay, there's a bunch of like raptor guys that are running in like khakis and suspenders. Have at it. You know, they're like, what the fuck does that look like? But you're right, it does add this kind of like very unnatural, very like the crab people just kind of like plop around. And right. it adds to their sort of unstoppable nature. And like the rhinos are very kinetic. And the bats, you know, are, are, are bats. They're kind of just bats. <laughs> well, there's that weird scene when they're like, di- di- like the, the, the raptor people are disembarking from the like shuttle. And it's like really bad animation, but like I almost wonder if that makes it better. Maybe I'm like grasping straws, but it makes it better because like they're like they're break they're breaking 
the like world, right? Like they're they're so wrong that the literal like firmament by which we process them is breaking because it's just like it's actually like it looks like if you and I were making an animation via like tran- overhead transparency, like <laughs> grab people like, slowly sliding down a slope. They have like a Lovecraftian pull on reality, like they make yeah, the world yeah. more nightmarish. And when you said break the world, I like I think it was the like Reinhardt and he love lasers and subs and addendum missiles as we're going into like a little bit where missiles are the geek as a, yeah the geek corollary um <laughs> but yeah it's like again like the the rules of the world stop making sense at a point and like yeah i think you're on to something too where it's like in the end intentional or not it does add to their like inhumanity and their uh it's just everything about them's wrong uh the other thing i think that's going on there is i bet the animators also hated having to do the neo mega the neo warriors they were just like fuck this just get it done <laughs> how many parts because this thing about an animal right they've got so many he's got a tail and a claw no not not animating that oh yeah. yeah well can you imagine you, being an animator and it's like oh it's a crab well here's some reference clips of how crabs move okay he's also carrying like a laser gun and uh wearing pants <laughs> Wait, what? So they send those super uncomfortable uh, raptor dudes after, as a test of their abilities after the exoscouts. Um, but Typhonus is specific to bring them back alive for, I'm not sure, I guess just to see, make sure they can follow orders and not just kill. So we get, yeah. we get a lovely uh, exoscouts being led by uh, Torres on like cliffside during a, like a dust storm being chased by fucking raptor people. Meanwhile, Able Squad is like patrolling overhead, so everyone's just going past each other like all the time. I did think that was one of those heartbreaking moments that was actually kind of great. I really liked that moment where it was like there's the dust storm happening and every it's happening to everyone at the same time and like Torres literally says Sounds like a Neo patrol. We'll hide there. Move it. And then it's Exo Squad flying by and like one of the moments of like, oh, you would only like looked a little bit. Yeah. This whole episode could have been avoided. Yeah, exactly. And like Right after that, basically, Pirate's like, oh, Torres, I, I hurt my, I have a boo-boo, come back here. And then, like, fucking hip checks her off the cliff, tries to kill her. So hard. Which is fucking like, what? Like, there's got to be a better way. Not like this, Pirate. <laughs> like, I did think, and I think uh, Ryan's going to like this theory. I did, I think there's a version of, and we've seen this on a lot of the other planets, Pirate as a more extreme, like, James or Napier liking it yeah like you know he even has the quote like the grown-ups lost their war with the neos and we've outsmarted them for two years he's like the highest level of no we don't want your help like you abandoned us and with that like ironclad logic that a teenager has of like no like you we would never need anything from you because we're the best well let's let's roll with this a little bit so if because there there are parallels obviously you have you know pirate who's like your james your like resistance fighter who's just like Nah, our way's the best. I mean, Bronski, Bronski Cruiser is kind of like his second <laughs> who's just like, yeah, whatever. I just do, you know, it's a, it's, it's a living, as they would say on the Flintstones. You know, is Red sort of like your, I mean, you can kind of make an analogy that Red is kind of like your Torres, who's like the pure spirit or your Marsh. I was just going for hair color there. But um, <laughs> like, who, who else do you see? Who else do you see in the squad? Because there are definite parallels. No one's like a showboat. I'm just going to think no one's like a, a, a Takagi. I'm going to say Rabbit is because he's a whiny little douchebag. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, he's, he's like early Kaz, like episode two Kaz. Right, right, right. I think they're like, I don't know if they map one to one, but there's definitely a divide, which I feel, I feel like you see in a lot of like young adult literature or whatever, between people who think they are grownups and people who wish they were still kids. Yeah. That's actually a really good point. For real. Because like it's like like a grown up gets there with Torres and like a lot of there's a lot of people who are like, we should listen to her. She's a grown up. And there's people who like and there's really two or three of them who are like, we don't have to listen to her. We don't think we should. And like it's a shame that the people, the kids who like don't think they should listen to her also end up being kind of lame, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they're like scared, right? Like Doc. Like, like Doc's immediate instinct is like an adult will save us. Like she'll come and save us. And and Pirate and Cruiser, like they kind of like being like living wild like that. 
Because they're, they're on top of the food chain. Yeah. Yeah. Pirate Pirate and Cruiser are like, we're going to go back to Galt's Gulch and you know be creators and all you <laughs> leeches. No. One thing the episode doesn't. First of all, Galt's Gulch. Gulch. Very funny. <laughs> um, but one thing the episode does really well is it overlays this level of like real world terror with the like raptor neo sapiens coming behind them. So they've got these like. Inter- like petty conflicts internally over who's a grown up and who's the boss, and like all of that pales in comparison to lizard people who spit acid who are f- tracking you down. And like we as the audience know that, <laughs> but the kids don't know that. It's a really, I think that's on purpose as a nice metaphor for like adulthood or at least puberty because these kids haven't hit it yet. Yeah, right. It's a uh, delayed puberty from lack of nutrition, I guess. The, uh, I don't know. Where did their food come from, Chris? Where did their food come from? <laughs> well, the other uh, 113 members of Exoscout Troop 119, or yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's one spare frame, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I remember trying to do the math. I'm like, wait, but they're all in E-frames, and Torres came without an E-frame. There's at least one dead kid. Yeah, there's like, the, definitely there's one frame one dead with, with broken arms. arms yeah. It's, it's almost Dude. as if that E-frame was trying to struggle to break free and they were holding it down and the arms broke. <laughs> that got horrifying pretty quick. Um. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, like, when, you know, they knock Torres off the cliff, she for somehow has like a, a cliffhanger starring Sylvester Stallone E-frame. Great movie. Great movie. Watch. Yeah, the movie rules. But like when they catch up with the kids, it is like, that was an objectively terrifying scene. And it would like the, like they are like Raptor Neo sapiens are tearing through the frames. Like they're just like, it's literally like when the guy said, no, we take them alive. I was, I was actually scared because they were like tearing docs E frame in half. It's a really uncomfortable. It's like a, like a Darger novel. Uncomfortable. It's like fucking big old adults, like just fucking, hurting kids in horrifying ways and it's just you know and especially with the fact that you have the most badass exo frame trooper rita torres like just around the corner and you know the whole thing's about like you have all these misconnections like able squad misses them torres almost misses them but she finally catches up and it makes her murder rampage feels so good when it happens yeah. when she's like catches up to him i would almost argue there is another ryan hardity corollary <laughs> rule corollary for like enemies being dumb like i will aggressively agree there's like this sandstorm and whatever but like she just like these like monster like like living warriors are just mowed down yeah. with no one else noticing that, that one lizard runs directly past two people in front of him, and they just kind of keep walking. Oh, yeah. Yep. Like, yeah. They're just like, there goes Barry again, just having a good time. And they get to the caves, and literally, like, they run a, like, like trap, which is one guy jumps across a cliff, and two <laughs> lizards just jump to their deaths. Yeah. Yep. Now, but here, and here's the thing that gets me, is that you contrast that with, like, a couple episodes ago, when literally you have, like, massed fire from E-frames not being able to hurt them, you know? And now it's like Rita Torres is, like, pimp-handing them around, and she's, like, murdering them left and right. And it's like, okay, you know, it's like the Reinhardt-y law of pimp-hands, I guess. But, like, it's just, it's weird, you know? If it Dramatically, it feels right, which is great. But, yeah, like you said, it's it's kind of like... You know, oh, these raptor guys that could jump like a million feet and spit acid can't jump 10, 10 feet. Like, I don't know. It's it's crazy. It kind of feels like this is supposed to be a two parter, but they like decided it couldn't be. So they're like, yeah, just have them all fall off a cliff. Just get it done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and and so much of it is like ropes. Like, like who knew the most powerful weapon in the EXO universe are rope? Right. Like, yeah, there there is a great moment, though, uh, the raptors grab pirate and cruiser before they go to the cave and Rita's like i'm gonna go get them and rabbit says the saddest thing when he just goes like don't go and it's like it's heartbreaking <laughs> but then they uh, they join her and they, yep. they rescue them and uh i will say in and no offense to our resident eagle scout they do the merit badge thing a few too many times in this where it's like it's like oh you know first aid i got a merit badge in that it's like oh, oh burying you know horrifying raptor people under stalactites 
I've got a merit badge in that. And it's like, no, you don't. That's not a thing. They said I have a merit badge in nut tying, which is a thing, Chris. I had that merit badge too. (laughs) I'm also going to push back on that because they've like devolved into this like Savage Mad Max society where like merit badges are the only way to measure like success. That's how they measure status. I was going to say, there's going to be one moment when like they're all comparing merit badges and Cruiser's going to be like, I got a merit badge in cannibalism. And like, fuck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> also also side note cruiser is the most positive nickname you can give the fat kid in the crew possible <laughs> <laughs> that's like by far the nicest the nicest name you can give like a fat kid Bronsky has a merit badge in drinking yeah, yeah. well the, ryan the reason is he he ate the last guy that insulted him so much like Bronsky, his father yeah, yeah. <laughs> he sprung from the stomach of Bronski. Bronski's like drinking has gotten so bad he forgets the Sarge's dead like a day after she died. How'd you like to make a little wager on who breaks formation first? I wouldn't think of taking your money, kid. But if the sergeant considered Sarge. Oh, yeah, it's great. <laughs> I have other things to say, but I feel like, Chris, you should outline just to have it on audio, the Bronski cruiser theory, because we haven't actually laid it out. Okay, so Br- Bronski is like space drunk, right? Right. So Bronski's he's been all around the fleet. He's been all around the world. There's got to be a time when he had shore leave on Mars and had a few too many drinks in the, the local cantina and had a wonderful night with a lady. Then he's like, oh, I got to get back to the fleet and just like took off. And I think that like nine months later, cruiser was born. Because he is like, he is the epitome of young Bron. Like, if there was like young Indiana Jones, this is young Bronski. Because he's like not very coordinated, a bit of a whiner, but a savage fighter. He is, he's the Bronski man. He fucking ate a kid. He murdered a kid and ate him. Um, no, but there is like, we talk about like the analogies between oh this guy, that guy. Cruiser is Bronski's kid, like a hundred percent. There's no twenty three and me needed. It's like it's just there. Give us money, twenty three and me, please. That'd be nice. I I, I do want to say. Um, when they save the uh, the two the two dicks, the uh, pirate finally reveals his name is Tommy, and they're like, "We're gonna go." They finally decide to follow Rita, and she has the best line of the whole fucking like season. When they're like, they're like, "Yes, sir," and she says, "Sir, you clowns got dust in your eyes. I'm not an officer. I work for a living." Call me Sarge. Yes. I wrote that down in all caps in my notes. Ditto. Like, it's all caps. Like, there's no fucking... One thing I really like that she does in this whole episode is she never says you never leave, well, you don't leave your squad mates behind. She, she just keeps saying they're children. You promised you'd take us someplace safe to Olympus Mons. I will. After I get Pirate and Cruiser back. After what they try to do to you, you should just leave them with those monsters. They're just kids, scared kids like you. When you're a kid, you make mistakes sometimes. I know I did. Which I really liked a little bit. That was like a little moment of like interesting because like it's really easy to get sucked into like these are real people, these are grownups. They that kid has an axe on his hip for some reason. <laughs> um, but like she never says it. She's like she's never like we don't. We I expect her to say we leave no man behind. It would have been like, but she never says that. She says their kids were gonna go get them, and I There's- found that super interesting and super adult for a children's cartoon show to rank. Yeah, there's there's it's a really good episode because it's a kind of a microcosm of the theme that keeps popping up where like an eye for an eye doesn't work like like, yeah, getting getting back at someone who hurt you doesn't make doesn't solve any problems. It just it perpetuates the issue. So like 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 Torres isn't going to get back at pirate and cruiser like she knows they're hurting. They're scared kids. So she like lets it she lets it go and she forgives them. And like, that's how things get better. Like in the same right. way, like you don't call them sapes. Cause, like, yeah, like the disrespecting the Osapiens is what caused this war in the first place. Like, yeah, exactly. It's all about growth. And like, I mean, literally kids growing up and growing up into what the future is going to be is one of the best like analogies for the show. I just want to finish the recap and say in classic Bronski fashion, he falls down drunkenly and finds the entrance to the underground complex. And that's where we end with that. Except uh, we, we Bronski heavy drinker falls down, but he hits the door. Marsala, ever the smartest person in the universe, says, I do not believe this portal is the work of Neo Sapiens. In fact, 
it does not appear to be the work of any type of human being. Which is the first time we've really caught together that, like, the relationship between the two, that these are, like, fighting cousins. But that shows how, like, sort of progressive and on the right side of things Marsala is, is that he's gone to that next step. And everyone he interacts with, you know, it's not a James, it's not a fucking a pirate. Marsala's on that next level shit. I'm ready to sign up for the church Marsala any day, as soon as it happens. The universal, uh, <laughs> the Marsala Unitarianism. Um, we all just pine after Nara Burns all day long. <laughs> yeah, and she's like really shitty to us all the time. <laughs> um, were there any like scenes in this episode that like you wanted to like explore a little more or you think like would have... Uh, would have added to the story as is because i know for me like i kind of wanted a little bit of a flashback to the uh the origin of the exoscout thing or like you know what it was like before the war but also like just having it at your imagination kind of works too you know yeah i, I want to see more of like how the world works right because like now there are like exoscouts like what's that like yeah i completely agree with ryan i think the exoscout idea is fascinating right it's like uh, Red Dawn. It's it's it's. What was it like when there's like that? Must have been really scary when their scoutmaster left and never came back. Like I'd like to see that scene. I'd like to see them growing from kids into people who try to murder someone because they're trying to help them. Like yeah. that's that would have been interesting. Well, that's one of the, one of the best scenes in Red Dawn is when uh, there's the translator and like the general and basically kill these two Russian guys like face to face and they have to deal with the horror of it. Yep. You know, you can't really have that thing, but it's like, that'd be such a good scene, like where they lose their innocence. And this could have been a longer arc. I think like, like a lot of times with Exo Squad, I think probably because of the challenges of making a show like this, like they have to, they have a really interesting idea. They can't give as much attention as it deserves. And I really like what they talk about of like, this is a galactic war. This is three planets. This is hunt, hunt millions of people. Like there's these interesting little stories inside of it, but they can't ever like get able squad out of the way to tell those stories because it's a cartoon show. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, in the end it's like the exoscouts are there to sell miniature action figures at in like five person, uh, blisters, you know, did they have exoscout toys? Do we know about that? I feel like they, they must. I'm going to, I'm going to do a pinch of Googling right now when we talk. Yep. Yeah. But like, I swear to God, I feel like there were Exoscout action figures, you know? And that's yeah. a good point. And like, this was the first introduction of entirely new E-frames in a while. And like, you got to keep, you got to keep bringing those in. Yeah. There's also uh, one thing I did really like about this episode too, is like a lot of cartoons in the, like, like the nineties, there's usually like a young character who's like the audience surrogate who's never ever like in real danger. Right. Like the captain planet kids are never actually in danger. Like the, the guy with transformers, like spikes, like never actually like getting harmed. Like it's cool. Like it's, well, it's, not, it's really interesting to see a show where like these kids are like, like these kids like are in mortal danger, like from the beginning, like this episode was scary at points. Like this really was scary. Yeah, there's points where these like the Neo uh, brood like raptors like and I'm I mean, I know they're not going to die, but like it's like it was there was horror beats in this episode that were really well developed. Oh, yeah. No, and I think that comes back comes down to, uh, like I said, good arts did some really good TNG horror episodes like so. Yeah, I think she was kind of honing her craft a little bit here. Um, you know, I, I will say, well, I, I do want to get to a reader qu or reader. Wow. A listener question. Yeah. Um, so we're going two for two. This is the other John Ferrier question that we mentioned in the earlier episode. The question is, if Girl Scouts sell cookies door to door, what do exoscouts sell? Uh, holes drilled into your head to connect your brain to stuff. <laughs> Citizenship. <laughs> Sadness. Sir, Ryan made this joke before, but like there is, which we never really talked about because there is space UN, but like this idea that like, you know, like the, the, the Starship Troopers idea, like citizenship, like service equals citizenship. Like, like was this a fascist society before the Neo-Sapien slaves overthrew it? Like probably. It, it definitely has a weird, like, 
everything yeah like yeah like it definitely has a weird like paramilitary vibe to it because everyone has the same haircut and it all it's all like a weird military vibe haircut though i will admit that like as a scout like it was a weird paramilitary like pre-paramilitary organization like that's kind of what scouting is so like it makes sense that's what exo scouting is though my uniform was not did not have any axes i'll say that Right. I had a neckerchief and no axes. Right. Which, to be fair, can be lethal in the right circumstances. So you were armed. I looked great in my neckerchief and shorts and sash. But like, yeah. Oh, wait. That was you that was Jackie Chan that shit. That was a, that was a solid time to be tucking your tucking your shirt into your shorts. That was like a really good time to be rocking that look. It's always a good time to be rocking that look. Concur. Same page. <laughs> Well, I think that's a good time to ask, uh, who are your MVPs for this episode? It's weird to hear you say that and not hear the, like... Oh, I know. We, we, we literally, we were just talking about how, how we all do the pause now, like, just instinctively. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> just, I just, like, I just, I just miss it. Like, MVP. I, I just, you know. MVP. And then it's all slowed down and shit. Side note of weird, weird, like, hearing it differently, like, I listen to the podcast, uh, like, some to on uh, on Saturdays, like just to, like see how it sounds. Uh, it's always awesome, Chris. But uh, oh, one time I almost got run over by a car, and I was like, "Oh man, they would have found me listening to my own podcast." <laughs> like that would be a rough like like that would be a rough thing to have people like people would talk about it. Like it would be a thing people mentioned. Like oh yeah, it's like did you hear about Ryan? Yeah, died listening to his own podcast. They say if you listen to your own podcast, you're gonna die in seven days. <laughs> I, As you I, mentioned, I, cutting the, the like weird dropping frames animation. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I actually just watched that. I watched that on Halloween. I kind of nope. love that movie. I, I do want to see that movie without the green filter that was all over the uh, early two thousands, though. True. That was it. Was pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say before we get to oh, MVPs, I was gonna say <laughs> a quote I want to get on audio because I was I meant to say it. I'm super excited to be on the podcast so that I can listen to it and hate the sound of my own voice. Oh, it's the best. It's awesome. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be sure to EQ you uh, super good. Yep. Super good. Um, um. So uh, <laughs> my MVP is probably the head of the like Neo Brood 2. <laughs> I, Great get. Great pick. Because yeah, right? like, we're seeing him reach for heights. I can't remember if we talked in the last episode of this one, but we're seeing him hit heights that he has. He is maybe the first of his species who is talking in human sentences. Who He's cares if he is outsmarted by children? Like, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a big step, you know? Right. I mean, the crab people have nothing on him. Nothing. Um, I'm going to say mine real quick. Um, mine is rabbit because much like in The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, you need, like, Tuco to be the guy that looks at all these crazy gunslingers and says, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and by having a character like Rabbit in there, who's just like, oh, don't leave me alone. Um, it really adds like a sense of like perspective and gravitas to their situation and how fucking actually horrifying it is. So yeah, that, that's my MVP. I'm going to give it up to Red for uh, for standing tall for, uh, for Sergeant Mother and uh, just for being a stand-up scout. Sick. I'm going to do the plugs in lieu of other other Chris. Uh, go to... It's, it's weird without other Chris now. Uh, I love you, Josh, but... No, not the uh, same. I'm, yeah. I'm going to plug two loopy ladies. Yeah. Um, great <laughs> shop on Etsy uh, if you need anything uh, crocheted. I'm also going to plug three, uh, plug three, five films. Two, five. Uh, two, five. Uh, three, five is garbage. You want two, five films. Um, <laughs> they just did a film. I just saw the preview for my friend Keith's wedding that I was attended and, and didn't get to meet other Chris. And I blame Ryan for that. And I feel bummed about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, his preview, his his uh, preview for my friend Keith's wedding looks phenomenal, and I bet the full film is going to be better. So if you are having a wedding and need a, a videographer, you should check out Two Five Films. Awesome, and I will say, if you like this podcast and you like our you like our guests, you like all of the stuff we do, you can support us if you go to Patreon.com/slash/ExoSquadGoals for as little as two dollars a month or infinite. That's an option too. I mean, 
if you have won the lotto, you have a lot of money, want to be a little quirky, just give it a shot. I mean, we, we wouldn't complain. It'd be really hilarious if you gave us like a million dollars. That's great eccentric billionaire moves. That's a really good move. Yeah. Uh, yeah that, that, that dude who dresses up like the Monopoly man uh, and shows up to those Senate hearings, if you're really the Monopoly man, just throw us some cash. Yeah. I mean, you, you probably watched the show when you were like three because you seem like you're 15. But, you know, like, check it out. You know, you know, we do fun episodes. We're going to talk about fish police at some point. Police. Um, <laughs> the, the incredibly po- problematic and so racist. really like yeah, super racist and like super interesting fish police. So, yeah, ex, you know, just check us out. Patreon.com slash XF Squad Goals. And uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, it's a good thing to do. It's, it's the season of giving, so give. That's us. Give it to us. Is there anything you guys would like to recommend? Uh, I'd like to recommend Fish Police. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nice. So it's like regular police, but they're fish. Uh, yeah. Wait, Ryan, <laughs> if New York is the melting pot, is Fishopolis the great bouillabaisse? <laughs> I would say it is, Josh. I would say it is. Oh man! Um, I would like to recommend. Uh, I I have a I, I have a newsletter uh, snack cart which talks about food stuff and tries to collect the best food writing for uh, uh, Chicago, New York, Los Angeles, Boston, and DC. Uh, Bitly forward slash snack cart. But even more than snack cart, uh, the I just partnered on a cookbook called Sweater Weather. Uh, it's ten recipes from chefs across America. It's a phenomenal free download. Really great. I am trying to promote Snack Cart as a hashtag brand. So, yeah, go check that out. Free download. I posed for a photo on page two, which is preposterous. And um, <laughs> it's a really great. It's kind of a like a non like a festivist ish cookbook. There's a lot of like very we call it a holiday cookbook if we didn't do that anymore. But it's, it's, it's very great, like brazy kind of recipes. If you're looking for something to cook, either fancy, not fancy, check it out. Uh, subscribe to bit.ly forward slash snack cart, and I will send you a link to subscribe to the cookbook. Boom. And my recommendation is going to be our good friend Josh. Josh, where can be the people find you on uh, social media and oh. whatnot? Uh, I am. Uh, follow me on Twitter at a. Uh, at, at J-G-E-E, J-G, and Instagram at getting J-G with it. G-E-T-T-I-N-J-G-E-E-W-I-T-H, uh, <laughs> it. It's like the Will Smith song, but with my name in it. That's such a good handle. It's, that is really good. It took a long time to figure that out. And when I did, it was the greatest thing I've ever done. It was junior of college. So good. Man. So good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, man, like, I'd like to thank you for uh, coming on the pod. Like, you fucking killed it. Gosh. And yeah, man, anytime you want to come on, like, hit us up. I, you know, I'll like, be here for the a- after pod special, which I'm pretty excited to record. <laughs> Hells yeah. I want to thank you guys for having me because I, I like, unabashedly love this pod i love the show i love that i meet other people who are friends who also love this show like i didn't know anyone had ever heard of this before you guys and it is like we make a lot of fun of like for a kid show but this is like a really interesting artistic artifact of the world and like it tells some really interesting stories and has some phenomenal characters so like i i I honestly love the squad so thanks for letting me talk about it Hey, anytime, man. And like, man. Yeah, for real. And like fucking, uh, you know, it's I definitely have had the thought before. I'm like when I'm watching this and I'm like, you know, I definitely feel like this is a world. This is not just a cartoon. This is like a world yeah. that they've built. And like it's really well done. And like the crew that's behind it is just fucking so talented in so many ways. And we're going yeah, to well, get the reboot to happen. Like this is it's just sitting there. Yeah. The- oh, yeah. No, this needs to be like a Netflix Hulu fucking big thing because it's just like it's so it's so good not to yep. it's fucking amazing um hey do you like getting in touch with people like like josh and ryan and me well you can do that on twitter and you can find us at exosquad goals on twitter and email us at exosquad goals at gmail.com 
Do you like how I changed the, the order of things now? Um, <laughs> this is what happens. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, you know, we got in touch with, you know, Ryan knew Josh. And through Twitter, we ended up, you know, getting to know each other and getting, like, to talking and fucking realized, holy shit, we need to talk to this guy. So <laughs> get in touch. You know, hit us up with some questions and thoughts and stuff like that. You guys have been fucking great. And uh, I would like to thank... Eric called the road for our intro and outro music. His stuff is at 331 E-Rock on YouTube but all over the world, the whole World Wide Web. Find it, love it, listen to it. Probably in one of those orders. Um, like I said, you can reach out to us at Exosquaggles, hashtag Exosquaggles on Twitter, at Exosquaggles at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Please, if you are on iTunes, leave a five-star review. I mean, that's a really good... It's like you'd make Phaeton angry if you left us five stars, so you should do it. Um, and please, write a review, share. If you have friends that like retro cartoons big fans of the, like the 90s you know maybe oj simpson trial fans that's a big thing now like we're kind of adjacent share us you know let let, yeah. let people hear it i mean we have podcast listeners that like have fucking never seen the show but actually just like the pod um if you had the oj simpson trial on and just left the tv on it would eventually cycle over to exo squad in the mornings because it was on fun. oh yeah yeah or, or like 3 30 or something like that yeah but uh but yeah, you know, share it, rate it, let us know what you think. Um, and yeah, thanks again for the support. It's always great to hear your questions and all that. And uh, yeah, so for Exo Squad Goals, I'm Chris Mastalone. I'm Ryan Hardy. And I'm Josh Key. Are there uh, any heroes in this company? No, sir. Oh, sir. <laughs> nice. Bye. Nailed it. And then the other part comes in, which... There was only one thing I noticed that I really did want to contribute to, which is the Ryan Harney Law of Lasers Rocket Division. (laughs) Nice. Land on me. No, no, no weapons at the exo. None of the Neo Sapien weapons appear to be lethal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for a genocidal group of people, they're very, uh, very lax in the whole killing part. <laughs> <laughs>